What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 70. Coming back with episode 70. Shit time flies, Sean. Jesus Christ. So this one, we are post-Super Bowl. So we talked about the Super Bowl and the prop bets. Talked about how terrible of an entertainment it was, but how good of a game it was. After that, we moved on and we talked a lot of NBA trade deadline coming up. Uh, Things are heating up. We were even breaking news on it. We felt like woes today. After that, we went into the NCAA basketball, talked about the top 25 and some major conferences. Finally, we went over some rule changes that might or might not be happening in the MLB within the couple years coming up. So enjoy this one, guys. We'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Shoot us an email, sorrysports at yahoo.com. And as always, check out the website, sorrysports.com. Have a good one. gentlemen welcome back to the sorry to interrupt podcast we're here on a wednesday evening for a collaborative pod we're talking super bowl we're talking nba trade deadline we're talking baseball rule changes some college basketball tom what's up man how are you blue gatorade blue gatorade you win a little bit of money on that a little bit of capital took a little bit of capital home i'm actually still in an argument um about the other one but we're, we're gonna leave that at that because um, Gladys Knight, it was an under. But that, we'll leave it at that. That was a very interesting one, and it was causing some uproar. I was happy. I, I felt strong to lead off the bat. I The, the roof, roof was, was open, open, and I said, all right. And I got to say, um, I got a voice message um, from uh, Victor Valente, who does the third floor podcast, and he said, actually, they have to make a decision. If the game starts with the roof open, it has to stay open throughout the game, which I didn't know. Um, and vice versa if it was closed. So shout out to him and his podcast. So it was um, open he did the a good night? job. So it was open the whole night. Yeah. Wow. So I felt good about that. I was off to a strong start. Uh, give Victor a listen on the third floor pod also. But yeah, that was not a good not a good start for me. Uh, well, that was a good start for me, but it didn't carry over with a lot of my other prop bets. Um, I did all right. Needless to say, I didn't get the over in this game. No, you did not. And, and to talk about the actual game. Um, it was it was a tough it was a tough watch for those non diehard football fans out there. I thought it was a cool defensive battle. Yep, kind of like a pitcher's duel, but it was a tough one to watch, including the halftime show. You know, hearing a lot of different people's takes and, and people who are in you know doing sports media and on the professional level and whatever, I, I've been able to formulate this take over the last few days. I want to get your opinion on it. Is if you're looking at it from an event, which the Super Bowl you know, is known as it was a bomb. It sucked. Yeah. It was not fun. Uh, 13 to three. Nobody wants to see that because people congregating for this game probably are either rooting for or against the Pats hard, but don't know anything well, about the yeah. Rams. And from an, a full event standpoint, the game itself where the average fan or, or the not, or the, you know, the flyby fan, you're not going to be entertained by that is looking for a high scoring game. Like last year or the year before with the great comeback right. against Atlanta, that coupled with a terrible halftime show, aside from SpongeBob, in my opinion, that SpongeBob cool saved it and then was quickly ruined and, again. And that and the commercials as well, which were garbage. Yeah, the NFL 100 one was actually pretty good. Other than I that, think I can't that was think the only of a memorable good one. one. The robot one was freaky. I'm and actually surprised out. that all those players would have been happy to be voluntarily in a room with Goodell. 
Yeah, they they had to have been getting some kind of perk for that. I, I don't know what it was, but, but it, that, that when it comes to an event sense, all those things coupled together were trash. Oh, it was awful. I mean, I don't blame anybody for not watching it um, or sticking with it. Um, but I got to say from a football game, if you're just looking at it from a football game, which to be honest with you, I was, it was entertaining. It was a one possession game till the very end, which you're always looking for, regardless of the nature of the score. And then also just to see the chess match that was going on between Bill Belichick and Flores and then Wade Phillips and McVay. I mean, we've seen low scoring games. Like I can pinpoint that wild card game last year between the Bills and the Jaguars that ended 9-6 Bortles against Tyrod Taylor when both quarterbacks were just inept. Like, clearly there was no skill on either side of the offense. But in this game, that wasn't the case. The defenses were just coming out and, you know, just dismantling Brady and Goff. And in a year that was known and talked about early, we discussed it. You know, is this bad for the NFL? These games are, you know, this is like flag football, that Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Rams that was 55-52. And is this bad? Wasn't it so ironic that the Super Bowl, the crowning moment as the finale for this season in which led all previous NFL seasons in scoring ended 13-3? Yeah, it, it is a little weird. And then you look at it from the game standpoint. And from my opinion, first of all, Todd Gurley clearly was hurt. Because if you're going to... If you're going to play possum with a guy, you're not going to do it in the Super Bowl. Well, they're playing possum continually again because today it came out again. He said, and McVay said, he was not hurt. So something's going on. Okay, so Todd Gurley, up until probably the last few weeks of the season, was the best player in football, the best offensive player. It doesn't make sense. So they're going to have to do some more explaining when, when you ask me about that. Aside from that, Jared Goff looked absolutely terrible. He missed Brandon Cooks on a wide-open touchdown that took him 10 years to see and gave that Patriots defender enough time to go and knock his arm down. Great play by the defender, but the one big play that the Rams could have had, they didn't because Jared Goff held the ball too long. Other things I take is just that's how much better Bill Belichick is than everybody else. He made the adjustments. He tooled with his lineup, the big lineup, but sending people out wide. He did all the things that he needed to do to get Gronk and Edelman, who Edelman was like all day. Like he was just open every single day, like every single play. Can I make a quick take on Edelman? He had a great game and I'm well aware of the prowess he showed in the postseason. I mean, he's had plenty of chances and he has been great, but isn't it so funny that nobody mentioned the fact that he missed the first four games this year because he was suspended for PEDs. I think if it was a baseball thing, like let's say, I mean, although baseball it would never happen because you're automatically eliminated from the playoffs when you take PEDs. But let's say that wasn't the case and it's so prominent in the MLB. Like let's say the Mariners somehow were good this year and Robbie Cano was in the playoffs. It'd be a bigger thing. But I mean, Ray Lewis got caught taking steroids or the deer antler Whatever. It's, no, I agree uh, with you. Called. I'm just saying that don't suspend them. If you know what's happening and you know they're going to play in the playoffs, like then don't suspend. I agree them. with you. I'm not blaming Edelman at all. I, no. I don't think it's his fault at all. No, I think I it's more either. of an NFL image I, thing. I, yep. And honestly, I think Julian Edelman is so underrated, and hopefully this opens people's eyes up. He's never made a Pro Bowl. Dude, like, people, what's going on? Well, dude, people are talking about, uh, Romo mentioned it on the broadcast. This guy might be a Hall of Famer based off of simply Just what he's done in the playoffs. playoffs. And yeah. I, I'm, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at it, it's like, 
throughout every single playoff game, you're at 78 yards, six receptions, 95 yards, this, that, and the third. I mean, just what he did in the Falcons game, the Seahawks game alone should put him in the Hall of Fame. I think he's a Hall of Fame player for sure. And that's just the Patriot way, man. I mean, everybody knows Tom Brady was a six-round pick. Julian Edelman was a seventh-round pick. Hey, did you know Chris Hogan played lacrosse? I did know that, and I also <laughs> didn't know if Chris Hogan played in this game or not because he couldn't figure out a way to get wide open in the biggest game of the year. No, he could not. But, again, the Patriots, to go back to the game, I don't think the Rams were ready for this game. They didn't really have a good game plan. Bill Belichick watched two-plus weeks of tape on them, and he clearly knew exactly what they were going to do, and they didn't make a single adjustment. I was incredibly impressed with how good the Patriots linebackers play, especially Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. He was flying around. And we, you, a detail, spoke about how that linebacking quarter was deficient, and it really started with that Chargers game in the divisional round. They played out through, of their minds. And then that we knew that defense was good, but Stephon Gilmore, oh my God. Just big play after big play with this guy. Yeah. I mean, that team, and I just want to say, the difference between Flores and Patricia was paramount. Now, Flores is getting the job. He's starting down in there for in the Miami. Pass, yeah. But I tell you what. It's tough to see him go, man. He was great. Seemed the difference just in the way that that personnel played. Because with a sign from like a Malcolm Butler and whomever who didn't even play in the Super Bowl last year, there really isn't that much change in the secondary. And no. Patricia... You know, for being the mad scientist that we've made fun of him about, he could. He, I mean, they could not stop Nick Foles and that Eagle offense. Things just keep getting worse for Matty P. Yeah, and now Flores just dominates the most prolific offense aside from the Chiefs in the NFL this year. Yeah, and I think honestly, to take away the the legacy that was affected the most, because we already know Tom Brady's the goat, and, and if there was any question, it's been answered that he's the goat. The Six guy, rings and nine tries. Unreal. Yeah, he, he was already the greatest of all time. By far, he's the greatest football player ever. Don't at me. Don't argue with me. You're an idiot if you think that Joe Montana or whoever else is better. Don't give me that bullshit. This made me... This this fulfilled, although it didn't need to, how great of a coach Bill Belichick is. Yep. I, I mean... The fact that he comes out, makes halftime adjustments, saying, "All right, we're gonna go with the big, we're gonna go with the big guys, but we're gonna spread them out wide. We're gonna figure out a way to get Gronk open, who made two of the biggest catches of his career in this game, and they figured out a way to get him open." Just based off that, they use and a the game planning. Nobody uses a fullback anymore. Devlin, the space that guy creates, yeah, is I mean, just remarkable. And, he, him, and they just have really smart players, and they know how to pick them, and everything is controlled by Belichick and. He's just the GOAT. If I didn't hate the Patriots so much, he's my football grandfather. Fuck it. I said it. <laughs> he's my football grandfather. McFay, I was a little little disappointed. I wasn't. No I adjustments think. were made. I was disappointed because it's like you're going to keep running golf out there and, and doing the same things like that, that aren't working. Give this guy a chance. Yeah, I think it was. And he came out and said that he was out coach. And, and it was obvious, you know, that he's 34 years old and he was in his first Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. There's I think, better things to I come. Think, I'm honestly, just saying from this game. Goff was, I think golf was worse. I think golf hurt him a lot because if you throw the ball away a couple of times other than sacks, maybe the game's a bit different. You know, you just make a couple of decisions. It looked like he was truly a deer in the headlights, which I wasn't expecting because he seemed to conquer the Superdome in the, in the championship game pretty well after the first quarter. So I don't know. All I know is that I'm not going to say I was rooting for the Patriots. Everybody listening knows Tom and I are anti-sports, uh, Boston sports fans, and I'm tired of seeing them win. But I was just happy to see as greatness. A, as period. a Giants fan, I have no ill will, will towards the New England Patriots. You shouldn't. But 
I have an affinity for greatness. I mean, what I, what we are witnessing right now in a hard salary cap sport where the turnover is drastic every this year. This isn't Vince Lombardi where he can just pick any player This he isn't wants. even the 90s Cowboys or the 80s 49ers or the 70s Steelers. This has been a sustained run, now coupled with the division that they play in being awful and no consistent challenger to them in the conference. But I think that adds to the greatness because Bill Belichick takes that into account and, of course and factors does. that Listen, in. Listen, if you think about it, they really only play one playoff game a year. They have the home they have the first round bye basically every year and the second round game they're playing a far inferior opponent in Foxborough. So the game is won before it already starts and then you're playing the AFC Championship game. And then you're on in the Super Bowl where Unless you're playing, you know, a team from Destiny like the Eagles or those two Giants teams, you're always going to be more prepared than the yeah, other team. Especially and, when you've been there nine times. But think times. about it. 18 years, nine trips to the Super Bowl, six victories, one quarterback, one coach. We will never see this again. And in the NFL where parity remains higher than any other sport, you know, we see worst to first happen all the time. We see turnover in roster like crazy, coaching carousel and the like. I mean, if they you go, are just the most stable just, organization, and it's crazy to if me. If you just look at the NFL in general, they're going against exactly the way it's designed to be. When you're a bad team, you get a weaker schedule. When you're the best team, you get the hardest schedule. When you're a bad team, you get the highest draft pick. And, and I mean, all of that kind of factors into the to the way. I mean, you have more cap space when you're a bad team. You have oh, the yeah. ability to cut those bad players loose. There's no guaranteed contracts or anything like that. So you you should be able to be a good team. I'm talking to the Jets. Seemingly every four years, you would expect. And the Patriots have figured out how to be a good team every year. Well, think about the the perennial opponents that are probably chal- real challengers to the Patriots, right? You've got the Steelers who cannot beat the Patriots in a big game. You've got the Chargers who are quarterbacked by Phillip Rivers, who's 0-8 in his career now against the Tom Brady and the Patriots. And you've had maybe the Ravens, but they haven't Broncos. consistently been good enough. And you had the Peyton Manning Broncos, and I'm pretty sure in the second in the second time they met, which was the 2015 AFC Championship game, Tom Brady was concussed, and they lost by two in Denver. Other than that, you know, the Ravens had that one win in Foxborough in 2013 and route to the Super Bowl. That was when Ray Rice went nuts, right? Well, that was in 09, actually. The oh, other sorry. one was the um, making up for the Billy Cundiff missed field goal the year before. Flacco led them in, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl uh, two weeks later against the Niners. But yep. other than that, I mean, you had your Jets outlier that went into Foxborough and won, but this, they're not perennial challengers. The best teams in the AFC have been really since this dynasty started, the Colts in the mid-2000s who only beat the Pats once, the Steelers who only who never beaten the Pats, and then you've had your Ravens who have only beaten the Pats twice and, and once in an AFC Championship game, but they haven't been sustained. You had the Broncos who beat them twice in AFC Championship games. That's really it. The Chargers, maybe the Chiefs are that next team. But all I know is that until this dies... And because of the system that's in place, I am never, ever, ever counting out the New England Patriots. And to spoil alert, when we do our NFL picks next year, I'm going to pick this freaking team to go to the Super Bowl again. Tell me why I shouldn't. I can't. I should have never picked the Chargers. And you were right. You got the second most important pick of the year right behind Gatorade, which I got right. 
But nice, nice job. You picked the Patriots. You went the safe route, and the safe route's usually the right route. And you took the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl, and they did again. What else is new there's at this no, point? There's nothing else to say. So obviously, the game is an event stunk. The game is a football game. Was uh, you know a, a great chess match of, of of two really good defenses. It was a very ironic ending to a very prolific offensive year in the NFL. And now we're about a month away from free agency and oh my God. And then after that, a month away from the draft. So football is going to be running paramount throughout the off season. It's a constant drama. We got the Antonio Brown stuff, all that going on, but that will be safe for another time. Absolutely. Let's recap so, our prop bets. Prop bets. We'll start off at the beginning and just work our way through. So first thing, we'll go over the real bets. You and I both picked the Patriots and we both picked the minus two and a half. We were right there. I took the under. Although my predicted score was still way too high, and you took the over, and Jesus Christ, that was off. Yeah, it, it, I don't have anything else to say. I think I picked 27, 23, or 27, 24. Yeah. And you were calling me crazy for that 35. score. You, well, I was going off of last of year course, of when course. both teams were just, it was touchdown for touchdown, and I figured, listen. Between the combination of the trend this year in the league, like we had some, we had some games that we were like, like we knew that Monday night game between the Rams and the Chiefs was going to be an offensive onslaught. We knew that first round of the Rams Saints and the Superdome. I think that was Week Ten. That was going to be an offensive firepower, which it was. We knew the Patriots Chiefs was going to be an offensive game in Week Six. Like, come on. We And we basically had, you know, there were 24 combined points scored in the fourth quarter, or 38 points combined uh, scored in the fourth quarter of that freaking uh, AFC championship game. So I assumed that, now yeah, this is just going to carry on over. Yeah, no, I, I got nothing else to say. I was brutally wrong. Well, you were right about the team all year that won, and you were right about the spread. So you're not doing so bad. Let's go into our props. So the first prop, and we had already mentioned that, and you said um, that the roof has to stay open the whole time. Roof was open. You were right on that one. I said closed. After that, we have Gladys Knight with the National Anthem. Controversy. So I took the under. What did you take? No, excuse me. Did I take the over? You took the over. I, I took bet the under. The under. Yeah. I bet the under. So I guess technically we were both right because <laughs> the way she sang it, she said brave three times, blah, blah, blah. Some books are giving money on both ends. Some people are arguing with their bookies like myself and blah, 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 whatever. We're not going to get into that. I don't know what it was. Under, over, who gives a shit? It's a prop bet. So after that, the next one was, I believe, the halftime show. Yeah. Um, and that one was the first song... I don't know what Maroon Five sang, but it, it wasn't either wasn't of our moves picks. like Jagger and it wasn't Sugar. Sugar. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. So after that, we had our little own prop bet. Of, I want to say it. She will be loved. It was. I know that song was played. Yeah. Yeah. There should have been a bet on whether Adam Levine was going to keep all of his clothes on or not. I think somewhere Janet Jackson was pissed. Yeah, probably. Um, and he and he showed both nipples. That's true. He definitely did. Um. So the other bet we had, we made this between ourselves. We both took the yes on this, which was minus 10,000, believe it or not. And we still hammered that yes on the proposal of Travis Scott to Kylie Jenner. And that was a big fat no. Or we don't know. He might have done it, you know, in, in the tunnel it or something. It wasn't done at halftime, though, on the stage. No. And, and I'm so still trying to lost. figure out why he was there. Big Boy coming out was fun. But aside from that. God, that halftime show sucked. That was terrible. Very, very bad. Again, the NFL, so tone deaf. Yeah, it's, it was bad. 
Um, the other bets we had were, I think it was just the the Gatorade. Yeah, it was just the Gatorade. And we didn't do one, anything else. And that one, I was right, and you were wrong. Yeah, I wanted to go off the cuff. So be it. I was wrong. I had a feeling. I don't know. I, I Those were lucky. fun, though. Those are always fun to keep in mind, especially when, when the, like, it, for anybody that wonders why gambling is so important. How many times was Goodell shown? Because I think we had that as oh, well. Oh, dude, I, I didn't see him shown hardly at all. I don't think. I, I think, think I saw him once during the game. Maybe. I don't know. I, I definitely oh, and saw also once. Romo did not predict a touchdown because there was only one in the game. So yeah. um, and and on um, everybody, some people were saying he did a bad job. I thought he was fine. That game. How can you call plays when half the plays are are broken? Listen, because... the only thing I'll say about him was I didn't like how he called game after Zerline missed the field goal. Like there's a minute thirty left. Everybody knows the Pats are going to win, but like let the moment marinate a little bit. I think he was trying to make that too much of his moment. But overall, I thought he did fine. Yeah. It wasn't Absolutely. his prophecy like it was in the AFC title game, but it was his first Super Bowl. I think he did a great job. I think he did a great job. Absolutely. I love Romo. Edelman winning the MVP. The odds on that were pretty good. I, I forgot exactly what they were, but great game by him. And honestly, in my opinion, he's a Hall of Famer in my book. Yeah, to me, he's not yet. Um, the playoffs are obviously incredible, but if Isaac Bruce isn't in or a guy like that, look up and down. I mean, even Amani Toomer, like those guys are regular season wise much better than Julian Edelman is. Well, he's played count, in a lot more playoff games. Ranks. You can count the ranks. Well, yeah, but of course, I mean he's a, I, you can say that I mean does he make Tom Brady or is he a product of that system? And I think a, it's a little bit of both. Well, we'll debate that another time. But at the end of the day, he's had a tremendous postseason career. He's won this is now his third. This yes. Is a, Seattle, Atlanta and this one. Right. So, yeah, 3 and 4 Four, four opportunities. I, well, I technically he didn't even play last year. Yeah, so very true. So I mean, honestly, he's he's phenomenal and he's their go-to guy. It was good to see Gronk be able to establish himself because at the end of the day, I think he's still the heartbeat of that team. Uh, another big offseason storyline: Does he stay around? I mean, have they found a way to utilize him as a blocker and then take him out of the garage when they need him, or or is he really? Did he put his whole heart and soul into that and and call it a day? I don't know, yeah. but that's going to be something to look for. Never know. He's got a very attractive girlfriend. I don't know if you noticed wow, that during su- the parade. What a surprise! Um, Tom Brady's Instagram, by the way, pretty good follow just for the two last videos he put up with Gronk. Oh my God! I know uh, Bleacher Report posts those. Pretty hilarious. But why don't we move on to some NBA now that the football season is finally Ooh, over? We are and a fun year it was, I have to say. Yeah, and we are hot in the middle of the trade deadline, man. Absolutely. So three o'clock tomorrow. Three o'clock tomorrow. I'm sure a lot of people will be doing webcasts and whatnot. Sean and I have real jobs, so we can't sit here and debate on who's going where and whatnot. Talks have gone cold with AD to the Lakers. And you know what this Lakers trade reminds me of? And I'm not saying Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma are bad players. But when I play fantasy football, a lot of guys will do these asshole trades where it'll be like... Uh, Chris Hogan, Rex Burkhead, I'm naming Patriot, Chris Hogan, Rex Burkhead, um, you know, Calvin Ridley, and I don't know, throw in a fourth player that's good but not great, T.Y. Yeldon for Julio Jones. And it's like, oh, so you're going to give me a bunch of shit that I might play during bye weeks for my best player in my first round pick. But oh, they add up. If you if you just look at one of those random trade generators, it says it makes my team better by like half a point. Bullshit. 
because you're giving me, you're literally giving me a shit sandwich and I'm giving you filet. So I, I kind of have that feel with the Lakers. Like they're offering a lot. You're, I, I mean, you're offering, you know, the last few first round draft picks and you're offering multiple picks for the next couple of years, but you're offering a shit sandwich for filet. In my opinion. Totally agree with and you. And they don't have anything else to offer aside from LeBron. Yeah, and I think one other thing, I think I, I totally agree with you, and that was an awesome analogy. Thank you. Um twofold. One, if you do trade Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, all these picks, what the fuck else do you have other than LeBron and Davis? Yeah, I think literally me and you, nothing. Me I mean and you might be playing for the they, Lakers. They're literally just maybe gonna, Shaq will come back. <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean, they got Carl Malone when he was like 40. Maybe they'll get him True. when he's 60. Um, I mean, they're going to probably then just look at like, uh, the, the buyout market and sign yeah. guys to the mid-level exceptions. But I mean, other than that too, how about the second thing? Let's call it what it is. Those options aren't great. I mean, Brandon Ingram, how long have we been hearing that he's going to bulk up and going to bulk up? And he's going to be an all-star. I think he has the physical tools to be very good, but I haven't seen anything that shows For he's going to be a perennial guy, all-star. When I watch him play, he plays small. I don't understand it. And he's not Durant. Well, here's the other thing. He needs to be a point forward. Ingram does. Well, he's not going to be a point forward on the Lakers. He's not going to be a point forward on the Lakers, and he shouldn't be on. He's a guy that could probably give you... He's probably a twenty. He's probably a twenty-point guy on a on a on a bad team. And he's a probably a sixteen-point guy on a on a good team. Well, and that's six not guy worth Anthony Davis. And that's not worth Anthony Davis. Here's the other thing about Lonzo Ball. Love his point guard ability. I think he's a right Rajon Rondo who will never even show flashes of being able to shoot. He can't shoot a free throw and he can't shoot a three. He's you know inept offensively aside from passing. So unless you get him around some great great scorers i'm very questionable about what his capability and ceiling is going to be keep in mind the lakers have a lot of egg on their face right now because d'angelo russell who they couldn't get wait couldn't wait to get rid of is now an all-star and now also kyle kuzma again i think what he is now is his ceiling i think he's going to always be a very serviceable player he's going to fill up the stat sheets on bad teams and he's going to be a good sixth or seventh guy off the bench on a championship team that's probably what they are josh hart three-point guy national championship at villanova nice auxiliary role piece on a really good team then you're talking about four first round picks first of all as a team that gave up four first round picks don't ever do that you're never sure how it's going to work out and at least some of those aren't going to be anything worthwhile you're going to be drafting probably in the 20s so if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, why in the fuck am I going to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers for that? Don't call their bluff. You have Anthony Davis under contract through next year. I'm tired of these players dictating where they go. Wait to see what the Celtics do. There have been talks from Woj that the Celtics and them have kind of had through back channel talks, you know, discussed what they're going to offer in the summer. Their whole plan is keeping Kyrie so that they can entice AD to go there, even if AD's father doesn't want him to go to Boston. Tough shit. If he goes to Boston, wins a title, I like his chances of maybe staying and probably convincing Kyrie to stay too. Side note, I'm tired of this father thing. Yo, and then, yeah. I don't about, remember the last time my dad Levar, told me what to do. And, and now LeVar Ball is opening his mouth again, saying that Lonzo won't play in New Orleans and he wants him to go to the Suns. I'm sorry. Your son hasn't been in the league for two years and he hasn't done a goddamn thing. Be quiet and don't tell him where he should go. I would like him on the Suns. Yeah, he'd probably be great on the Suns. But you, what in what world have or do you allow him to dictate where he plays? 
play wherever you're told to play. I think a Josh Jackson for Lonzo Ball trade would be pretty nice for both teams. Yeah, it might. That's that's a nice trade. But I agree with you. And if you're the Pelicans, period, Lakers, this is stupid at this point. I mean, if you want to make a Bradley Beal trade and then try and go after AD if he becomes a free agent because clearly you're, the, the deal's not getting done, I think a Brandon Ingram and a Lonzo Ball maybe one to two first-round picks gets the job done for a Bradley Beal. Yeah, probably It's not going to get the job done for a transcendent player and a top one talent, not player in the league, but talent in the league in Anthony Davis. When you look at it from a Pelican side, you still have a year and a half with this guy. That's what I'm saying. Wait it out because there's going to be so many more buyers, and then you can get into a bidding war right. with, with whoever I think another, after that. The other, the other component in this – situation that we can discuss briefly is your New York Knickerbockers. Ugh. Listen, if, if the Knicks acquire, if the Knicks on lottery night get the first, second, or third pick, offer that with a Kevin Knox and, and a Dennis Smith Jr. and another future first round pick and then maybe two future first round picks, yeah. getting Anthony Davis, I'm telling you right now, just put him on that team and woo your Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Well, there you go. Oh, God. Dude, uh, uh, these Machado pants are still on. I don't know. If you keep talking like this, I might have to waste them. Listen, I'm just saying that's a component that could happen. Absolutely. The Knicks are on Davis's list. Short list, yeah. And that's a much more attractive offer to me because mm-hmm. I think Dennis Smith Jr. in the right situation could be a really good point guard. And I think, I think Knox Kevin Knox is going to be a really good player. And then you're going to get you know, Zion. Zion, Barrett, Reddish, or uh, Morant. I think you make that move if you don't get the first pick. If you get the first pick and you can, and you know for a fact after you make that Porzingis deal, I don't know for a fact, and I don't think it's going to happen, but the Knicks look like they know for a fact that they're getting Kyrie and they're getting Kevin Durant. I think you keep Zion, to be honest. Well, that's going to be up to them to decide. I mean, you're just talking about... I wouldn't about... be pissed. I wouldn't be on here shouting if they go out and get Anthony Davis. That's just Oh, me. you wouldn't? Because you just said he's a top one talent. No, he, he, he I would not be upset at all. Okay, but... well, that's good to know. Yeah. I still don't think he's ever going to be the best player on a championship team. But... See, I disagree with you with that, and I've been thinking about it ever since you said it. Dude, and they're I don't... 13th in the West. Yeah, the team around them is not good, and he hasn't oh, played in it's weeks. Not, it's not that bad. Bro, let's look at the past championships. The Warriors. I'm not asking have for a, a championship. Four. Let's look at the past. I'm not asking for a championship. Before that, the get Miami to the eight Heat. seed. If you're a top one talent, get to an eight seed. He probably could if he was actually playing, but he, he wants had to get been. traded. They were, t- they were bottoming out when he was out. They have Julius Randle. They have... Miritich, they have Drew Holiday, they let's, have Solomon Hill. That's not a terrible team. Solomon Hill. Let's just agree to disagree because that team is terrible. I'm not aside saying from they should Drew, be winning. Aside from Drew Holiday, the only talented player on that team is maybe Julius Randle. No, Miritich is a solid player. He's okay. And if you're a number one talent, you should be able to get that team at least to the eight seed in the West. I, I kind of, I honestly disagree with you. I'll have to I, look at strength I, I just, and schedule. I just don't get, I don't get how you can. You can't, then you can't call him a top one player. 
Uh, yeah, you're kind of right on that, but I'd, I'd really have to look at the There's no way that team should be a championship team. But no, there's also but... no way that that team should be 13th in the West. Okay, well then why don't we go back to last year and look at it when those players were actually playing to their potential. And Boogie Cousins went out and we said it was all already, over for them I, and he waxed I already, the fucking the Trailblazers. I already said that, but we know that the Trailblazers are a team that's never built for the playoffs. And as soon as they played the Warriors, they he, were he was waxed seed. out. I understand that, but that team's never been built for the playoffs. They're a guard-dominant they team regardless that can't do anything fact they were a three seed and he anthony davis put the team on his back carried them not only through that series but through the second half of the season playing like a top three mvp candidate which is great every great player has shown flashes to be able to do that do it again this year i think talent wise he's definitely talent can wise win a for sure Oh no, he can win, but he's not going to be the best player. I, I think he can, and, and and I think honestly, it has more to do with the fact that these players, and this pisses me off too, and this is why I disagree with you. When they're not happy, they just they but don't that's play a that whole hard. Another argument that I don't want to get into. These guys got to stop, and they got to sack up and play. There's a lot of great players in bad situations all across the all across the landscape. Of I think that's more sports. the problem of why he's not carrying his team. I think Mike Trout enjoys going out there and playing center field for an Angels team that's going to win 70 games. I don't think so. But, no. he, but he hits 310, hits 40 home runs, steals 35 bases, and is the best player in baseball. There's a lot of guys that stack, that put up with bad teams and play really well. Uh, whether you want to be – and here's the other thing. You're going to be a free agent at worst-case scenario at the end of next year. You're going to be able to pick where you want to go. And right now, you're holding this Pelican team hostage. Now, I want to get your take on the Pelicans is this before we move on down the line. The Pelicans are in a state right now that the fate of their entire location and franchise is hanging in the balance. They I might be going gone. to Seattle. I, I think, think they're, they're gone, gone too. But the pressure is on still that they have to either, whether they're trying to convince everybody to keep and to, in the NBA to keep them in New Orleans or who at whatever market they're going to go to, they got to have a good product when they go there. So they have to get everything they possibly can and maximize this deal for an Anthony Davis. So go back to our original point. Why in the hell would you do this deal with the Lakers? Where do you think is the best case scenario for the Anthony Davis to go and then also for the Pelicans to get in return? When you look at it from an off-season standpoint, I think the best deal when it gets to that, because I think they're honestly going to drag it out to that, that's the way it's looking, is the Celtics. It's not even close. The Boston Celtics have other teams' picks to to offer that are that are unprotected top-five lottery picks, like the Memphis pick. They have, I think, the Kings pick, which is not as good as it used to be because the Kings are pretty nice. Yeah, they are. Um and they also have the young talent. They have Jalen. I mean, I don't have to go up and down the roster. Just between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, those are exponentially That's, better picks than both. I, I would take Jalen Brown, who's been having an awful year in in terms of how he was progressing. I would still take him over every single player that the Lakers are off. Totally agree. And that's not even to mention Jason Tatum, who's younger and better. Totally agree. So I think obviously the Boston Celtics have the best to offer. And I think it's the best spot for Davis because the Boston Celtics are so deep. Even if they make that trade, if they still have Kyrie Irving, which knock on wood for me here, I'm knocking over here. um, They don't because I'm hoping that he goes to the Knicks. But if they still keep on to Kyrie Irving, they're still going to have an extremely deep team, especially when you've seen it with these devastating injuries. 
they take a year for you to figure it out, a la um, Paul George. Right. I'm talking about Gordon Hayward, of course. Paul George is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. It took him a few years to get over that devastating injury. If Gordon Hayward gets back to where he was, that's a lot better than LeBron and a bunch of trash. No offense to LeBron. You're the second greatest player of all time, but... I mean, come on. You're literally giving up your entire team. What's Dwayne Wade going to go back out there? How did that work in Cleveland? Yeah, what are you going to do? Sign Melo? Like, I, I totally agree with you, man. I think Boston's the best case scenario. And, and if think... that Knicks situation works out, I think they're the second best team. I think the Lakers are probably the third option. I think another team that could be enticing is the Raptors. I think if the Raptors want to go all in right now, they could offer a really solid what package. What would they offer, though? I'm trying to Something think. Something around, a, uh, probably around a uh, Siakam, Lowry, Valanchunas package with a couple of first-round picks. That offer picks. was made to Memphis, not as large, but Lowry and Valanchunas were in a deal with, um, for, I think, Mike Conley and somebody else. Yeah. But... I mean, I, but I think that that, if they want to go all in right now, because as we're going to start going down the line of some trades that have actually already happened, the Eastern conference is up for grabs. And I think if Toronto wants to just go all out because they might not keep Kawhi, but they're going to go down. They're not going down without a fight. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think for the Pelicans, honestly, I think this is the best case scenario for their ownership. If they either decide to sell the team or move. Move to Seattle. They're so thirsty for basketball since they've left. Even if you don't put a good product out there for the first few years and you're rebuilding with Knicks picks or young Celtics players or young Lakers players, you're still going to generate revenue because people there are so crazy about basketball. They're going to go to the games for the few, first few years and let you guys develop. Totally agree. Um, but as was you know prudent when the Thunder or when the Supersonics moved to, the, to Oklahoma City, that was a market that did want basketball, obviously, enough to, to bid and get them. But they went with a really good young nucleus. And I think it's very important if you're trading a transcendent superstar to get the most out of it. Because if you don't, whether you stay or leave, you're not going to put out a very good product. And that ownership group is, you know, totally fucked. So moving on down the line, there were some deals that have happened already. And uh, we both have our phones on plugged into any woes bomb that might drop during this podcast. Um, Tobias Harris as the Philadelphia 76ers officially end the process and are going for it in the East, um, have acquired Tobias Harris for four picks. Um, and along with a Wilson Chandler going to the LA Clippers who are now going into tank mode and giving up every single bit of cap space, um, to Laura Kawhi, a KD and whomever else, um, in free agency from this. I'm going to look at from the Sixers. They also got Shamet or whatever from the oh, Sixers. Oh, right, right, right. So, um, you know, right now, to be honest, Philadelphia 76ers, they made this move with the hope of also signing Harris and Butler long-term. So they've acquired two really good players, obviously one, both not being all-stars this year, but all-star caliber players in Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris to go along with a J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid that's a relentless starting five. Now, their bench is pretty short right now. I don't know how their depth is going to be. You know, you you know the they're going to sign a Bellinelli-like player and a um, and the other guy they signed. Yeah, like an Ilyasova kind of guy. I know yeah, he's playing Ilyasova, well in yeah. Milwaukee right now. and But they'll find somebody. There's going to be a couple of buyouts that happen in Cantor the next couple of days. Coming. But, yeah, Cantor, maybe a Wes Matthews, something like that. But, yeah, man, honestly, the Sixers are going for it. They think they can sign both of these guys long-term. Whether they will or not is, is to be seen, but the process is over. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're trying to win the East. 
I love this trade for the Sixers. Tobias Harris can play, can create his own offense with a second unit. He can pass, and he's even better when he's playing off the ball when he's starting. And Ben Simmons is going to find him in the best places, and this guy's a knockdown shooter. He can put the ball in the deck and go to the basket, set up a guy like J.J. Redick off of a Ben Simmons pass. He can feed the post. He's a really solid defender. I love this pick, and he's their fourth option. It's crazy. This was this was a perfect trade for the Sixers. Elton Brand is doing a great job to start off his career. He really is. And then going over to the Clippers side of things, I think this was a really good move. They I think weren't they probably... going to re-sign him. Get what you can for right. him. Right, and I think that they could have probably done better from an NBA player return, but they got the picks and they cleared the deck in cap space, which is what their intention was. So I think both sides won in this deal. You're you're looking at a team in Philadelphia that's going to try to run the East and, and get there. And as long as they're healthy and can pick up a little bit more depth on the on the bargain basement, I think they will. Um and then, on to, I mean, obviously, we got to see what Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston do in the next, was it, 15 hours. But um, And then L.A. is doing exactly what they're trying to do. And, they, and now that they're trading their best player, I think Gallinari might go. I think Boban might go. I think basically everybody that has some value is up for grabs on that team. And they're going to try to bottom out and get a top 10 pick to add to the copious amounts of cap space that they have. Gallinari to Houston would be really interesting. That would be interesting. Listen, Gallinari can help so many teams. Yeah, Gallinari to Houston anywhere would be interesting. Absolutely. I mean, listen, as a Net fan, I wouldn't mind to see him come to Brooklyn. Um, The next was a deal that happened about three hours ago. We're recording right now. It's currently 945 on the East Coast. And this happened about three years ago. I checked my phone and there was a Woj bomb. Otto Porter... Last the, time Otto Porter was good was three years ago. To the Chicago Bulls in exchange for Jabari Parker, who's only on this year, Bobby Portis, who's only on this year, and a second-round pick. All right, Chicago, you must not think you're in the big free agent game because, I mean, Otto Porter? Really? This guy's been horrible. I guess they've Maybe they seen, can unlock him. I, I was don't just going to say, I guess they've seen something since John Wall's been down. I know Porter has played a little bit better as of late. But they're taking a massive, massive chance. And, and I just want to say this. Well, they already took a massive we, chance on Jabari. Yeah, but That's they signed him to a one-year yeah, one year. deal. I mean, there was a lot more flexibility. And I'll say this is before we get into it. Tyler Johnson getting traded to um, to Phoenix from Miami. Two former guys that the Nets signed offer sheets within the first three years of their contracts already gone. Wow. So that goes to show that thank, I think they might have dodged a bullet or they played possum in those two teams that – had to drive up the bidding for those guys, the Wizards with Porter and the Heat with Johnson. Clearly regret those moves because they, they're they gone fast. But getting Otto Porter, what did you take from this deal, man? Do you think this was good for the Bulls? I think it was good for the Wizards. Get off that seal. I think it was the smartest move that that Wizards GM that's been there forever has ever made, getting off that Otto Porter contract. And it was huge for the Knicks because now we can stop talking about Jabari Parker to the Knicks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe. I mean, we're oh, going to see. Stop, He's stop, on the stop. one. Maybe they buy him out. I haven't seen any indication that that's what they're thinking of doing, but he's only on this one-year deal, and maybe they, think, Listen, they're they taking, take a flyer out they're on t- him. Stop. They're taking a shot in the dark. On, you just don't want it. On, it doesn't mean on, it no. won't happen. Uh, they're taking a shot in the I didn't want Porzingis to get traded either. DeAndre but. Jordan is starting for you clowns. Well, as long as we keep losing, losing games, I don't care if Michael Jordan is starting for us. <laughs> um, but... 
I like to move for the Bulls because you know what? Then you're going to say, listen, we're not going to be players in this. We're a few years away. Let's take a chance on a guy who could be a big free agent if you know he has he has an explosive second half or whatever, and let's see what we can get out of him. They have all this cap space. They might as well use it. Yeah, that's how they feel. And I guess they think that they're not, you know, they're not even being mentioned as some of the teams for for these max free agents coming off the board in the summer. So, listen, take a chance. You know, when you're a team like this, they have a good young core. I like Markinen a lot. I like Levine a lot. I like Dunn. I'm, I'm, I don't know what Dunn's going to be, but yeah, and, and I've been Markinen and Levine for sure. I've nice. been disappointed on Wendell Carter. I have two. Good but, rim defender, but I haven't really seen the offensive package. Yet. I haven't either, but that's a bad team. Maybe he develops. If they think they can unlock Otto Porter, he might have more flexibility there. He's not going to be playing with Bradley Beal and, and John Wall anymore. So maybe they got something. They're taking on a they're taking on a risk, but when when you're a team that you don't think are going to attract max free agents, might as well. Might as well. So, so next, there's a few more deals going down the line right now. So I have a um, a Rockets deal. It's actually a three team trade. The Rockets get Amon Shumpert. I didn't know he was still playing in the NBA. I know he was. he's married to Tisha Turner, and he recently got a DUI. Didn't know he was still playing in the NBA, though. Um, I guess he is. They got him from the Kings. Uh, the Kings get a second-round pick in Alec Burke, and the Cavs get Brandon Knight, who I think they're going to flip. Again, Marquise Chris, who was a lottery pick a few years back, a high-end potential guy for a terrible team. And they got a first-rounder out of it. I don't know whose, but that's interesting. So let's look at it from the playoff team side. Amon Shumper is better than what the Rockets have going right now, and he can play defense. Yeah, I mean, now that we know he's still in the league, um, he was playing defense pretty well for Sacramento. He's not much of an offensive threat at all. Um, And we remember him from those Knicks days. Honestly, too, I'm looking at this deal more from Sacramento. Alec Burks was a guy that a lot of teams were coveting. And I think he's going to fit in really well over yeah. in Sacramento. That's a good move for them. And whoever gave up the first round pick, kudos to Cleveland to get in that. Yeah, good for them. And then the final trade I see that has actually happened, because there's a lot of uh, rumors floating around, but we won't talk about those too much more. The last one, your boy Nick Stauskas. Was he on the Nets for a hot second? Last year, yeah. Um, he goes to the Rockets as well. So some more three-point help. A guy that can, can uh, create a little bit of his own shot as I liked well. what I saw from him when he was a Net. Um, he had kind of fallen out of love with the Sixers. The Nets took him with Julio Okafor and then um, shipped him out. Or He actually ended up signing with the Trailblazers when the Nets got um, Shabazz Napier. So... I know he was producing out there in Portland, but he had run off, um, you know, kind of out of favor there too. I think, quite honestly, why not? He's the perfect guy for this current Rockets team. Absolutely. Another thing is the Lakers got Reggie Bullock. Yeah, that's a good move for them. That's a really good move. I don't even know. No, I think that's a good move for them. I mean, I think he's a guy that can give them some offense and he'll actually have a little bit of a defensive mentality. Another deal, too, that we didn't touch upon, Thon Maker going to Detroit for Stanley Johnson. That was a weird move. I thought they could have gotten more for Thon Maker. Thon Maker was a little bit of a I'm upset, which is ridiculous again. Again. Um, But listen, Stanley Johnson, maybe he just needed to change the drapes, change the scenery, because this guy was a big-time pick out of Arizona. If this guy can knock out, knock down a mid-range jump shot and play defense with Giannis, I don't oh, know. That would be big. And I want to know off the what this move with Thon Maker means for Andre Drummond. I, I really don't know. Andre Drummond is one of the most disappointing high-max players in the league, and I think he's on a max deal. He is. 
Yeah, he's making a That's shit ton brutal. of money, and he's on those books for a while. Um, I mentioned the Tyler Johnson-Wayne Ellington trade to the Suns. Um, the Suns are expected to buy out Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington is a guy just selfishly is a net fan. He was on the Nets th- two or three years ago and actually played really well, but that team was abysmal. I think he would actually fit the Nets perfectly right now. Um, we'll see if he's a buyout option for a playoff team. I could see a team like the Lakers and maybe even the Rockets because they seem to poach all those guys or the 76ers as well go for him if he is indeed bought out um, by the by the Phoenix Suns. Let's see if Tyler Johnson and Phoenix can add to that good young team. Um, obviously they've had a horrible record this year, but I do think there's talent and they're going to progress going forward. Um, so the last thing I need you to explain to me, because I'm, I'm confused. Maybe you can break this down. Um, we'll just call this, this segment, figure it out. I don't know. What is good with these buyouts? Okay. Sometimes I understand them, right? But the Knicks, I, I see a bleacher report thing. The Knicks are thinking about buying out Wes Matthews and Enos Cantor. Yep. You mean to tell me and help me figure this one out? You mean to tell well, that's me the name of this figure it out? Right? Absolutely, I just thought of that CEO baby. Oh please! Um, you mean to tell me that you can't get any value for Cantor at all? Apparently not. Like you can't get a second round pick Apparently for him. Apparently not. Is that what's going on? And the other thing is Wes Matthews. If you can't get anything for him, then just don't play him. His contract ends at the end of the year. Well, I think it's. Well, I don't understand why you have to buy these guys out when you can get value for them. Well, when these teams get uh, desperate. Here's the thing. Apparently, first of all, they can't. Um, and I don't think that sitting Cantor and doing what they've done to him has done them any favors. Um. Either that they hold him in higher esteem uh, than the rest of the league does, or the rest of the league just says, listen, it's like when people in baseball, like DFA guys, like you knew Matt Harvey was going to be DFA'd because there was no, they couldn't even get like a, the Mets couldn't even get like a low level prospect. Is the league like playing possum against the Knicks? And it's not just the Knicks. I'm just using them as as an example because they're close to my heart, but... Like, you can't even get a second-round pick Dude, for an expiring contract? Apparently not. And on top of that, too, is when you're talking about why don't you just sit them the rest of the time, because that doesn't do you any good. Like, just get rid of the guy. Like, why are you wasting roster space? I mean, I understand more of that side, but what I'm trying to figure out is, like, how can you not get I a second-round pick? I think clearly you and I are thinking more about higher value for these guys than the rest of the league give does. Give me a 2025 second round pick. It's like, give me a bag of basketballs for the guy. Something. He was before this whole bullshit sitting thing, which I agree with you completely. They should not be doing this. Well, even it's because if you are he helps them tank. win games. And they're, I mean, and they the guy's a blocking double-double. And whoever signs him, I guarantee you it will be a playoff team and he will make an impact because in the when, playoffs. Because teams are going to say, listen, I'm not giving anything when I know that you don't want him on your team. So if I know you don't want him on your team, because from a toxic standpoint, you know, that's that it's clearly backfiring. Trade him to Turkey. That you can't do I am right sure now. You're, Turkey you're, has you're a price a on his guy. head right now. You, Turkey has a price on his head. I'm sure they're willing to offer a first. Um, to first, <laughs> I think they're willing to offer basically, you know, whatever the fuck they want. It's a piece of land, something like 
let James Dolan occupy a little bit of the of this of the country, Jesus. But he's got the death penalty in Turkey for anybody who doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. He, the uh, the Turkish government thinks that he's a terrorist because if he's spoken out against them, and they're basically he couldn't go to London to play in a game over there because he was afraid that they were going to get him. So all I right, mean, well, anyway, thanks for helping regard- me figure that out. Yeah, well, yeah, Appreciate and, it. and we don't actually know. I mean, I think that they've killed his value, and a lot of teams know the buyout market, and these really bad teams that are trying to lose they know that there is no reason to keep them a on the floor because you can't say to the nba listen we're not playing in this canter because he helps us win games and we don't want to win games so you have to just sit them but then also that kills the value why would anybody give something for an asset that they know you don't want and then b is great you either keep them and it continues to be a toxic situation or you just Get rid of the guy because if he's not going to play and he's just going to cause issues for your young players and your coaching staff, then you just then you just cut bait. That's the whole point of expiring contracts. All right, so like well, DFA guys in baseball, you know, like when you know that a pitcher or, or a position player is not playing well and they're going to get DFA, you're not going to trade for them. You're going to wait till they clear waivers and you're going to sign them then for the to the mid level exception. The Yankees weren't going to trade with the Blue Jays for Tori Tulowitzki and give them even, you know, their 79th best prospect. They're going to wait for him to clear and sign him to a $550,000 deal. All right. Well, thanks for helping me figure that one out. You I'm got a still a little upset about it, but I don't I think I ever won't be. I don't blame you. Let's move on to some college basketball. St. John's beats the – I'm just going right with St. John's. All right. Big-time game winner by Shimori Pons. He not he uh, he broke a guy's ankles and then had the game-winning layup. They beat number 10, Marquette, in Marquette. What would you think of that game, Sean? Didn't watch a second of it. There but you go. I will tell you this. Great bounce back because we've covered it. They've had some awful losses and getting hammered by Duke. And that was to be expected. To go in and beat Marquette, the second-best team in the Big East, that was a really good win, man. Big that was time a really win. good win, and I Big believe that win. was at Marquette. Absolutely, it was so at that, Marquette. So a road win like that, I tell you, the St. John's team is weird. Like they have some super impressive wins, and they have going back to last year when they beat Duke at the Garden, and then beat and then uh, follow that up with a win against Villanova uh, in Philly, and then this year they've had some really impressive wins, but they've also just you know losses to DePaul and shit. Like I expect them to get railroaded by Duke on you know in Cameron Indoor. That's fine, but. They're a weird team, but they listen. That's a that's a big time win. That's I think show that up. puts them back in tourney talk. It might, it might. They're gonna have a weird resume because they're gonna have some very impressive wins, but they're gonna have some horrific losses in there. Hey, too. that'll get you into the um the whatever the first. I four. think how they do in the Big East tournament is gonna be a, a a big. If they can get to the semis in the Big East, they I think you might have a shot. So that pretty much covers the Big East because everything else is uh, status quo. There, we may see Marquette drop in the standings. They are at number ten now. They well, next week we're going to have to see. So let's I don't move know on to how the, much, but they will drop. Absolutely. So let's move on to the ACC. Louisville, who is number 16, surprisingly, beats Virginia Tech 72-64 to in Virginia. Hey, listen, Louisville, man, they're, they're another team, and they're starting to come alive now in that ACC. Virginia Tech, they're a good team. I always look at them as that second tier, no matter how highly they're ranked. Because they're not Virginia, they're not Duke, they're probably not even North Carolina, but they're that next level. But Louisville's played some really good games. They beat North Carolina. They um, they have a couple other signature wins on their on their resume this year. 
16, they're going to bump up to maybe just outside the top 10 now. That's a good win, especially on the road. Absolutely. So let's move on to the next division because everything else in the ACC, pretty much status yeah, quo. Duke's rolling, with Virginia's rolling. Yeah, but those number two, two and number three in the country. And they will be playing They're Saturday other. for round Saturday two. Saturday night. That'll be a fun game. Um, That'll be in Virginia. Absolutely. North Carolina roll. Did North Carolina beat Louisville? Did uh, they play them recently? I couldn't remember. I know I think they played they earlier. Uh, Louisville smacked them. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, I couldn't even remember that game. But let's move on to the SEC. Pretty much status quo there. Auburn has found their way outside of the top 25, but they still have the number one team in the country in Tennessee. And um, Kentucky did have that big win against Kansas. Yeah, and Kentucky's been winning since. So you have your number one overall team right now in Tennessee. And they're at number five. And Kentucky's back in the top five. And we know they always, we say it every podcast. They get hot every year. They play their best come March. Absolutely. So the Big Ten um, Michigan State. Here. Michigan State had a bad week. Uh, we've been saying that every week. Why are they still at number nine? Why not is Izzo, Izzo getting so much support? Not an Izzo guy. You know that. I'm not. I don't understand why he gets so such a claim. He's won one national championship. He's been to a couple Final Fours. But, dude, losing to two unranked conference opponents, Illinois and Indiana. Yep. I, I mean, I, it, but, both in East Lansing. You can't lose those games. I think, That's honestly, awful. if you look at this one week and this podcast, we're obviously recording it on a Wednesday, and they're still at number nine during this week's polls, I think they should be out of the top 25. Listen, I'll tell you this right now. I, I think I think their rankings are always because college basketball, The first of all, we know, you know, we scream and shout about college football preseason rankings and early season rankings. I think college basketball is even more reckless with theirs because yep. there's more teams and they simply just put them on because Tom Mizzo has this reputation of being a great coach and always having a great team. I'm sorry. Them being number nine. Is he a great coach? No. Is in he my a, opinion, even a good guy? Well, I don't give a shit about that, but I, I do. I do. Well, know. you can't pick and choose when you want to give a shit, though, with the Urban Meyer stuff. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I'm what I'm saying. I mean, he hasn't done any of that stuff, as far as I know. But well, I mean, there's a lot of implications with the with something that's probably worse with the Larry Nance. Oh, stuff. I know, but I don't think that he had any. There hasn't been any rumblings that he's been, and I don't want him recklessly accuse him of something along those lines if you want to have maybe talking about under the table payments which every top school does well that's some academic things fine some illegal recruiting whatever i'm not going to tie him in with that until i have any knowledge of that because that's such a heinous act i'm not going to throw that on the guy i just think he's an overrated coach i think that for a guy that has only won one national championship and appeared in a couple final fours he gets way more credit mark you know um what what's that tournament Izzo or whatever that saying is mm-hmm. is like you know when he gets into the when he gets into March he's I mean dude this team's not that good no, this team's not no. that good and I I blame not only him but I also blame a lot of the the USA Today and all the AP polls that put them so high to start the year and give us this false identity that they're really good I don't think they are you no. lose to two two unranked conference opponents at home screw that um, going to the Big 12, Kansas State did beat Kansas. Kansas is having a little bit of a rough patch. Good. That was the Good. first round of that um, of their interstate rivalry. That was in Kansas State. Um, again, I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face. Can, Kansas will be there at the end of the season as a top three seed, and they will win the Big 12 until I see otherwise. They're fine. 
Uh, nothing else from that conference to really go to. We mentioned the Big East and the American no movement going on there. American a disaster. Sucks. The American sucks, and the Pac-12 continues to suck too. I'm not putting them in dude, this we, conversation. Dude, They're we not haven't good. even we have not mentioned the Pac-12. There's once. no need to, in no, my opinion, unless some team emerges out of the conference championship and looks really good. Listen, we're not here to talk about all the mid-majors. If you want to do that, head to a college basketball podcast. CBS does a good one. Um, listen to ESPNs with As Seth CEO, Greenberg. you're suspended next week for mentioning other pods on my pod. Yeah? Well, then suspended. do you want to break down the Mac for me? Will, come on in, buddy. Let's talk about the Mac. How about all the right. WAC? Iona looks great. All right, um, good. I, What's I, their record and who they beat last? Um, they All right, beat cool. Sienna yesterday. Awesome. I don't know. Awesome. All right. So if you want to get that information, uh, hopefully better than you just got from Tom, uh, check out somebody else. But no, as far as the major conferences are concerned, that's really all the movement going on. Now to finally wrap up today, I had to wrestle with Tom to talk about these, but they are important. We're not going to talk about the free I, agents, but Machado let me preface and Harper before, still aren't signed. Let, you, me, let me preface this before you go on shitting on me because I am the CEO of Sorry Sports. And you're COO. You can have that title. Keep it. But again, I think the rules are important. I just don't care. Okay. Well, that's not that. I don't care that you don't care. So. <laughs> well, clearly you won because we're talking about that's it. That's right. So Major League Baseball is about to enforce a couple of major rule changes. Is this is this 100% they're going to enforce these? Like a thousand? They're going to within the next year or two, whether it's agreed upon by the MLBPA or whether they're just naturally enforced by Rob Manfred. The only big issue, in, and I'm going to run down the, the list here, the universal DH, a 20-second pitch clock, pitchers must pitch to a minimum of three batters uh, per appearance, revenue sharing decided by the best record teams, penalty for tanking, which, which will amount in loss of draft picks, and less commercial time using split box like in the NFL has been doing, as we've seen throughout the postseason and regular I like season. I like that too. Let's, let's just touch upon each one real fast. The universal DH I don't think is going to ever happen, at least not anytime soon. The National League is the senior circuit, as you like to say, and a lot of people like to say. They are hell-bent on the pitcher hitting. I don't know why. It's an antiquated style of baseball. I don't want to hear about the strategy. I don't want to see guys hit 097 and be glamorized as good hitters. Madison Bumgarner is not a good hitter. He's a good hitter for a pitcher. Okay, great. It also gets a lot of people hurt, and the money that you want to pay to pitchers is not worth them standing in there and breaking a hand on a bunt uh, to move a guy from first to second with no outs. Um, Next, 20-second pitch clock. Great. I think it's not as much the pitch clock. I think it's more batters stepping out, and there has to be a rule to enforce that as well. 20 seconds is fine. The veteran pitchers won't like it, but a lot of the guys coming up, it's been in the minor league since 2015, so a lot of the guys coming up are at least used to a pitch clock. I think it's 30 seconds down in the minors. 20 is fine. Speed the game up. On that high of level, you should be able to be able to do that. Look down with the catcher. You meet before the game in the dugouts. Also, another thing I didn't mention, four mound visits a game by both the manager and the uh, pitching coach combined. I think that's a good idea. What was it before that? Uh, there was none. I thought they had those mound visit limits already. Oh, right. This year. Yeah, it was six. I like six better than four. I think four is a little low. All right. I, I mean, I think it's still like, I think it was moving in the right direction. But, you know, again, like you have 
in between innings to go over it's still a whole the chess game match plan. of the game and sometimes you go out to get a guy warmed up in the bullpen or sometimes you want to talk things over over a certain hitter I think six is where you should be but hey I don't make the rules right and and, and I think I again I think that's a step in the right direction the next pitchers must pitch to a minimum of three batters I like this one a lot I, I love the strategy. I all I appreciate the you know what's known as the quote unquote loogie, the left on left lefty that's meant to only get one guy per game. Maybe you're Jerry Blevins of the world and so on and so forth. Here's my deal: if you're a major league baseball pitcher, you should have the ability to get multiple guys out. The other thing too is how the top teams are building their bullpens: your Adam Ovinos, your Aroldis Chapman's, your Dylan Batances, David Robertson's, Craig Kimbrels, and the like. Um, Zach Britton's, they're good against the opposite side batter just as much as theirs. You know, maybe their splits are more favorable to the side in which they're pitching against right on righty, lefty on lefty, but these guys can get anybody out. You should have the ability to get three batters out, and it forces the managers and the GMs to sign pitchers and promote pitchers to be able to do that. And if you don't have that specialty, maybe you don't have a job that you did 10 years ago. But you know what? That's fine. Because on a Tuesday night, as much as I love watching Yankees baseball and any baseball game, I need to go to bed at some point. And if it's a 7.05 start, I need it to end by 10, 10, 15, if it's not going into extra innings. I think you agree. Yes. All right. So perfect. I think you know you and I are mutually exclusive on that. Revenue sharing decided by the best record teams. This is very interesting. To me, you're you're not getting penalized you're you're not getting penalized now for being good. I, I think that actually is incentive for teams to win. Uh, which segues into the next one. There's a gonna be a penalty under these new rules. There's a penalty for tanking. Teams are gonna have to forfeit draft picks. Beautiful. Because I understand that the Cubs and Astros and Indians and Royals have been a model for teams to suck for years so they can build up a farm system and get then better. You really, but the thing is, and if you're looking at it from a law standpoint, you have to establish, and I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty smart. I'm CEO of Sorry Sports. No, you're not. You have to establish what your definition of tanking is, and you have to abide by that. Well, I think what... What's your def- What's the definition of tanking? You have, to sign, uh, you have to sign a couple of free agents, not the ones to my Well, then why deals. don't you just say you implement a hard bottom cap? Why don't you just, why yeah, don't you just and say maybe, that? And maybe this segues that, to that. I, I because think, I think if you just say the Miami Marlins were tanking last year, what they could say is, no, we just didn't have the talent. Well, no, what they're, gonna say, what they're going to say is, is that we had no farm system and we tried to acquire as much possible minor league talent as as we could and then we also wanted to get rid of some of the major contracts that our old ownership group signed and we knew we were not going to be able to sign Christian Yelich long term and Marcelo Zuna long term that's probably what they're going to say but again their only free agent acquisition this year really are Neil Walker to a one-year deal who's a utility guy and Curtis Granderson to a minor league deal. Sorry, that's not enough when you have this magnitude of free agent. I'm not saying that the Miami Marlins have to go out and sign Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, but do a little bit more than this. So maybe that soft cap is what this amounts to. I don't hate that idea at all, and I think I think that could be something that we see in the not-too-distant well, future. Well, you just get into trouble when you say teams are going to get penalized for tanking because it's like well, you the have NBA to establish. Did it. 
But the, you, but they haven't really enforced it. Yeah, they have because now you have the same bottom teams each have a fourteen percent chance of getting the number one pick. No, I agree with you on because that. Because the Sixers it, went five straight years but losing every but game. But there's a difference. Could. But there's a difference between saying, okay, you just have a lesser chance, and there's less of a reason for you to tank. Aside from that's different than you saying we're going to prove that you're tanking. And then we're going to penalize. No, I think that's very different than saying you probably shouldn't tank because the chances of you getting the first pick are not as high or as great as they used to be. Right. And I think you're going to see a team like, you know, the Mariners who are actively trying to trade everybody that has gives them a chance to win. Sorry, I had to put my legal cap on there, everybody. But I mean, like if you want to get technical with it. No, you're you're not wrong, man. You're you're actually 100 percent right. And it's going to be hard to prove. But. I think there's going to be a way of doing it. It's kind of like, what's that old, You, if you want to talk about lawyers, that old saying in the 70s as far as pornography went, it was like, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. That's going to kind of be this thing, and that's how you've if been going. If it quacks like a duck, yeah, it walks it like, like a whatever. duck, it's it a duck. duck. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but again, it's going to be really hard to prove, and I think that they need to retool the wording. Maybe it's... You know, you can't have. I mean, not that draft picks matter as much in baseball. Maybe it's you can't have like in in basketball, you can't have the number a top three pick this many years in a row. Or, you know, if you're the worst team in how about this? If you're the worst team, if you're the worst record in baseball for three consecutive years, you're penalized a draft pick. Yeah, something and that like might, that. That might be what they do. To be honest with you, I mean, I think this is more to just put teams on notice and saying we see what's going on. And we're gonna figure out a way to enforce this, or, um, so, or a bottom cap. Yeah, or a bottom spend cap. At least, I don't know, a hundred million dollar payroll. Yeah, because the NBA teams you see, you know, maybe they're not signing the top free agents, but they're going out and signing a Jabari Parker to a one year, you know, sixteen million dollar deal, something like that, to get that cap space in there. And finally, the last one that caught my eye was the less commercial time. Um, 30 sec, you know, cutting commercial time to 30 seconds of commercials and putting the split box in there to just get your quick T-Mobile hit. And then, you know, while the, while the game is going on and, and the pitching change is occurring or in between innings and and getting the game speeding up, you and I have talked about this at nauseum. We're 70 episodes in now of this podcast. We're going on a year and we've, we've brought this up a couple of times. Listen, I don't care about the time of the game. I care about the pace of the game. The time of the game is fine to me. I mean, obviously, the one thing about the MLB, which is different from you know basketball and, and the NFL, well, I would say more just basketball. I know if I sit down and watch a Nets game at 7.30, it's over by 10. You know, Unless it goes into overtime, it's over by 10. There's a 24-second shot clock. Each team has a, a you know predetermined amount of timeouts that they can utilize, and there's four 12-minute quarters. That's... How I know the game's going to be. Baseball, you don't have time. You play the full nine innings. But, like I said, on a regular weeknight when I want to sit down at 7.05 and watch the Yankees and I have work the next day, and so do millions of other people wanting to sit down and watch the game, I can't go to bed knowing that, or I can't watch it, sit down and say I'm going to commit to this knowing that a regular nine-inning game that might end 3-2 to two ends in at 11.30 p.m. The game has to move on. I don't care about the time of the game. I care about the pace of the game. There's too much dead time. And the baseball purists like yourself and I, we love baseball. We might complain about it, but we're going to sit there and watch it, consume it, and go to games and pay for the product. But the casual fan isn't. 
There's too much dead time. It's not a once a week thing. There's 162 games in about 180 days. You got to find a way to keep this modern. And what I like about these rule changes and whether they all happen or not, whether they happen this year or not, or they're spread out over the next few years and into the next collective bargaining agreement, there's an incentive by this administration headed by Rob Manfred that they understand that the game needs to become more progressive. And what's great about every single one of these is it's not changing the essence of the game. And they they're all not are progressive. Fucking, yeah, they're not fucking around with the count. You know, they're not starting to count at 1-1. They're not starting it with now you're going to only have two strikes and three balls. The essence of, the, of baseball is still being preserved for the purest and the natural baseball fan. It's just being expedited a little bit, which I think we can all get on board with. Absolutely. The only one that I think is going to be tough to enforce, aside from the uh, tanking thing, which I think they're going to have to tweak the words. I am for hire if they want to help have me help figure that out. I've already had a few good ideas. You guys can you guys can have those ones for free, but the rest are going to cost you. Um, but aside from that is the DH. I think that one, there's just so many psychos out there and uh, the strategy. The National League people just love this fucking style of baseball. I don't know how. I don't either. It's not entertaining, and it's not because we're Yankee fans. It's not entertaining to watch pitchers hit and seeing guys. I just don't want to see like a guy like Chin Ming Wong's career get derailed because he doesn't know how to run a base. Or or, or Tanaka ended up on the DL. Yeah, was it last year? Or the yeah, year it was before? this year. Running running sprinting from third to home on a sack fly, and it's not even that we're you know Yankee pitchers boys are or, in practicing or a, base right, running out there. No, or American League guys even. This happens all the time in the National League, and if you're paying a starting pitcher. You know, ninety-five million dollars for five yeah, years. Do you want to lose? I don't know, um, Madison Bumgarner be, for for five starts because he tweaked his oblique, swinging too hard in a, a trying to trying to drive a run in. No, or whatever. No, it's not worth it. And two, what a lot of people forget, even the National League systems don't have the pitcher hit. So single A, double A, triple A, rookie ball, these guys don't hit. They don't hit until they hit the big leagues. So That's why stupid. in the hell are do they have to do it now? It's not fun. It's not in, it's not, you know, strategizing at all to me. It's a waste of my time and it's a waste of a lot of important resources that you're pumping into these important players on the team. Can you imagine if Jacob deGrom is pitching a shutout and he goes to bunt, and the pitcher hits him in the knuckles, and he breaks a couple fingers, and now he loses the shutout, and he's out for two months. I mean, this isn't a Yankee or American League fan ranting about it. It's time for a change. Put the put, there's enough, and look, and the free agent market right now dictates. There's a lot of guys that would be fine DHs. You're 15 teams that don't occupy that position, which means at least 15 players aren't getting jobs. Absolutely. So just to wrap up the rule changes, I think what it says is that Rob Manfred and the MLB are paying attention because the big issues that the MLB has right now, aside from the DH, because I think that's been an issue since probably what the late the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, maybe a little bit further on mid two thousands. We people have probably been clamoring for this, but when you look at the big issues of the game right now, it's pace of play, and it's. It's pace of play, tanking, and it's signing these free agents. And I think these rule changes will address all of those. I mean, you rattled off the 20-second pitch count, the minimum of three batters, 
and the less commercial time right there, that's hitting your pace of play. The revenue sharing and the the penalty for tanking, bar quotes, because I don't think that'll ever happen, but something along those lines, one, solves your issues for these teams tanking, and two, if there was a soft cap for for this for these teams or whatever you want to call it or an incentive to win more games, I guarantee you Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, um, the guy Mike, what's his face? It's not Mustakis. Yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike Mustakis. Yeah, from the Royals. All and, these yeah. guys would be signed because the teams need to throw around the cap space and prove that they're not tanking and they're going for more revenue. So I think it kills two birds with one stone for that as well. Totally so agree. At the very least, at least the N- the NBA is not the NFL and they're not turning a sorry the MLB is not the NFL and they're not turning a complete blind eye. And we've said this about the NBA and the MLB. They're they're trying to be really progressive and they're trying to learn on the fly here and make changes one when other, they need to be. Yeah, one other short note um, that they want their players mic'd up more for games. That'd be cool. And that's cool with me. Give them national exposure. If they don't want to do it, tell them too bad. You're the face and it's important to do it, you know. Or give it to the guys who might not be household names but will be simply because they have a great social media following. There's a lot of very average players in the NBA whose words matter because they're on Twitter all the time. Yeah, and they're fun. Real quick to finish up the pod, one NBA trade that happened. The Kings are about to acquire Harrison Barnes from the Dallas Mavericks. Um, So that will add uh, to them. So they've added Alec Burke and uh, Harrison Barnes to a team Hmm. that's trying to push for the playoffs. And obviously the Mavericks are saying... We want a top 10 pick. So. Yeah, that that's interesting. And I just saw another thing from Bleacher Report from Mark Stein. Knicks are on equal footing with Lakers in terms of AD in, is interested in signing long term. All right. Well, I mean, that might lead more into further speculation about how they might have some inside information that KD is going there. But I'm not going to make sure Tom keeps his pants on because I don't want to deal with that right now. But... <laughs> We're going to call it a wrap for the podcast tonight. We're going to be back at you guys. Stay tuned with the NBA trade deadline, uh, which can close at three tomorrow. If anything crazy happens, emergency pod, emergency come pod. across. Yep, absolutely. And um, NFL season's done. NBA, college basketball in full swing, baseball spring training about to start, and uh, we'll keep you all posted until next time. Absolutely. So we will be back at some point next week, unless there's an emergency pod. Thanks for the uh, listening to the new segment. Figure it out. Figure it out. And uh, it has have to be a, a weekly thing. Absolutely. Let us know what you think. All right. I'm going to have to start thinking of things, but have a good night, everybody. Take care.